0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast.
1: Hey, everybody. This is Alex Youngblood with realestateinvestingmastery.com. I've got Joe McCall with me here. Hey, we are. Hey, good to see you. We're getting ready for our next great podcast. We've got a great interview here for you. Hopefully it resonates with a lot of you who have been in a position where you lost your job or had to find other ways of doing things or scrambling and trying to find ways to make money. This is going to be a great interview today. We do have to remind you to go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Get your Fast Cash Survival Kit. It is free. We will get great information on using virtual assistants, which are people that can run your business for you while you do other things, whether that's lay on the beach or go out and meet with motivated sellers or whatever you want to do. We describe wholesaling, which is being able to find houses at a discount and being able to lock that up on a contract and then assign your interest in that contract for a fee and get paid. And you can do that one time a month, multiple times a month, however many times a month you want. And it all comes back to marketing and finding the deal. Uh, And if you can learn to master that, you can really learn to control and design your life and the way you want things to go. And that's what we're all about on this podcast, aren't we, Joe?
0: Yeah, definitely, man. And it doesn't matter if the house has equity or not cuz we talk about how to flip properties if it don't have equity.
1: That's your specialty.
0: That's my specialty. I like doing that. But I still do I still like traditional wholesaling as well, especially right now in this market. It seems like there's a lot of money coming back into the market, a lot of buyers looking to pick up properties, and there's still a ton of good deals. I just
1: completed a deal actually. Did you? Uh, a pretty quick one. I got when I got back from my trip or whatever, I got a call from a seller that I'd been talking to for for a little bit, probably back in February, I think is what it was. And the seller had, you know, I was going back and forth with him. It was, uh, I think I had offered uh, sight unseen, like $100,000, but he called me. I went out and looked at it and said, hey man, now looking at it here, I can do 90 on the deal. Or 85 is what I was trying to do, actually. And he had said that, Uh, He would really like a hundred or whatever. But if I could come up to 90, then we would have a deal. So I went ahead. I locked it up and called one of my buyers and he bought it for 110 pretty much right away and we're closing next week. So it was really, really fast deal and a fast turnaround and a quick twenty thousand dollars. So you can't beat that.
0: Well, Yes, you can, man, because I got a $23,000 deal. Oh,
1: revenue. okay. This is a competition. Uh, how, fast, how fast is that one closing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the story. We've been doing a lot of marketing on Craigslist where we actually contact people who have their houses listed for rent and saying, hey, do you want to sell your house? And um, we got this lead from this guy who's actually kind of complicated, but some the person that we called referred us to somebody else, and that guy said, hey – I got a property here that you could buy, and it's a multifamily. And so i it's kind of – I don't want to go into too much detail, but I, I i have an acquisition manager that's working for me right now, and he's hes just working out great. He's a, he's a great guy, working really hard. And he's the one who's taking all of my seller calls and meeting with the sellers and even networking with my cash buyers now and starting to get to know cash buyers and what they want. Well, this is a property that I don't have a lot of buyers right now on my list yet – who want to buy multifamilies. And so uh, we we t- contacted another wholesaler that we're friends with, and he said, yeah, I got at least three guys that would be interested in that property, so let's partner on it. And so he blasted it out to his list, and within like 12 hours, he's got eight people that are making offers on it and are interested in it. And so we're going to make 23 on it and split it, 50-50. Oh, so.
1: see, I beat you. I beat you. No, no, that doesn't count. <laughs> I get to keep all 20,000 of them. <laughs>
0: that doesn't count. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, we're splitting it 50-50 with this other wholesaler, which goes to say, and I think Tom's going to talk about this in our interview today with him, it's okay to partner with other bird dogs and other wholesalers. I mean, Tom's going to talk a lot about this, I think, but we, we're finding deals that other wholesalers want our help in selling to our buyers. And we're finding deals that we're getting other wholesalers to help us sell to their buyers. And uh, everybody wins, you know. It's it's not a, a cutthroat business like you might think it is. You can really partner with people that uh, can help. Like right now we're really focusing on trying to find buyers from other states that are looking for turnkey rental properties, right. And and they'll pay more than your local investor buyers will will pay for, right because we're offering a full-service turnkey rental property stuff, and we're, we're giving tremendous cash flow to our investors. So we're focusing right now really hard on getting out-of-town buyers that are wanting to invest in St. Louis for cash flow. And so we're basically selling these houses to them based on the ROI. They don't care about the equity as much as they care about their cash-on-cash return. They want at least 15 to 20% on their money. And that's, we can give that all day long. So it's a different type of buyer that we've been working on finding. So it's been really good. We've been, this guy has been working for me for a couple of months now. And uh, we have five properties under contract. Two of them are lease purchases, and three of them are regular traditional wholesaling. And uh, so things are really starting to pick up. I'm excited about it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, anyway. One thing, too, you're talking about the Fast Cash Survival Kit. You go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get that. We also have two other ways that you can get it. Um, If you text the word FAST and your email address to this number that I'm going to give you, we'll text you back a link to the Fast Cash Survival Kit. So if you text the word FAST and your email to 38470, again, that's 38470, text the word FAST and your email address, we'll get that right on over to you. It's pretty cool. And also, we have a uh, new podcast hotline. It's at 314-256-2565. Again, 314-256-2565. If you call that number, leave a message with your name and email address, we'll email it off to you. And uh, if you want to leave a comment or a review we will, or even a question, we will play it on a future episode. So speaking of reviews, I have a few reviews I wanted to read in iTunes. This one says, Joe is such an awesome podcaster. I don't know about Alex. I wish. No, I'm just kidding. That one. It's, it's, <laughs> this one is from Brian. It says, Five stars. I can't get enough. Joe and Alex, these podcasts are amazing. I just got started back in real estate investing and I just can't get enough of your podcasts. I've listened to almost every one of them. I carry my iPod to the bathroom with the speaker <laughs> in the car everywhere. Wow. Right on, man. So you bring on incredible guests, and the information you give away is fantastic. Anyone can take the info and get started but should still get a course. Thanks for everything, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. This is from uh, Burb. Burb, Real World, Real Deals. Five stars. Joe and Alex have a great deal of real estate investing diversity discussed in these podcasts. It's great to hear such experience from multiple guides or sides of investing from Joe and Alex, as well as everyone interviewed on the show. Their experience and willingness to share is amazing and thanked. The deep insight into running an actual real estate investing business gets revealed on all the episodes I've listened to. Sometimes the best thing in life are really free. And then one more. This is, uh, this is really good. This is from Khalid, I think, C-A-L-I-D-H, five stars. Thanks, fellas. I just want to say thank you for sharing some of your skills. I am at the point of being sick and tired of going round and round. I love the guests you bring on the podcast as they share their skills as well. Keep up the great work. And I look forward to working with you soon. So, um, oh, there's one more. Five stars from uh, Charleston Surfman. Surfman. Charleston Surfman. Forget the gurus. Five stars. Joe and Alex, tell it like it is. No guru style selling or super hype. These guys talk about their personal deals, which makes them the real deal. They also have a funny dynamic that keeps the show light and entertaining. We appreciate the reviews, everybody.
1: At least I do. Light and entertaining, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, de- they
0: must not. Have, they must not have listened to many shows. But um, <laughs> actually, I'm just kidding. But I, I really enjoy doing these shows because I get to talk with Alex. He's a good guy, and we interview some really awesome people on this podcast. And, and Tom Kroll is one of them. He goes by Tommy. Do you, do you prefer Tommy, Tom, or
2: Tom? Tommy's fine. Yeah. It, it, yeah. That's most people call me Tommy.
0: I like Tommy. All right. (laughs) We do this game with my kids called Tommy, Tommy, whoops. And it's like you hold your fingers up. Have you ever seen this? You hold your fingers up, like all fingers in your fives, and you bounce from one top of finger to the other with your other finger. You go, Tommy, 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 whoops, Tommy. Like you, you do the whoops down the forefinger up the thumb. Uh,
1: no, Joe, never so heard of that Let's one. do it all together.
0: One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> My kids, they love it. I go, you hold, they hold up their hands, and I go, Tommy, 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 whoops, Tommy, Tommy. And then you do that back and forth anyway. <laughs> so that, that's, I guess, I have, that's why I like Tommy, because they, they like playing Tommy, Tommy, whoops with me. I'll, I'll show it to you, Tom, when we meet in person sometimes.
2: <laughs> you got it. I'm, I'm going to be up there soon, actually, up in uh, Missouri. Uh, for that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. Well, uh, you know, left of the chit-chat. Things are going hot right now in this market. Alex is doing deals. I'm doing deals. And so is Tommy. Tommy, you have an amazing story. We met through – you've been listening to our podcast for a while. But we kind of yes. – We kind of met through Todd Toback, who has a great podcast called No Limits Investing. And uh, it's a really good podcast. I want to recommend it to everybody. Todd's a good friend of mine. He's crushing it in California right now. I'm not going to tell you about what he's doing because I didn't get his permission, but he's got some big deals that he's working on right now. And he's been doing some big deals for a while. And he's one of the big players in in California. So it's been good to have him as a friend. And he was telling me a long time ago about his brother – uh... who lives in florida and tommy you uh... talk about you lost your job a month before christmas or something like that right
2: i did yeah i was sitting uh... in my my office i was in the landscaping industry I and uh... I'm sitting there working and it's my it's my thirteenth year wedding anniversary so it's about three o'clock and i'm gonna try and sneak out early and go see my wife we have plans to go to dinner and uh... Sure enough, I get two managers walk into my office and shut the door, and <laughs> you know it was it was funny. They they said, "Well, you know, sales are down and uh, we're cutting back, and we've lost some big business, and you know this and that, and we're gonna have to let you go." So it was my uh, it was my thirteenth uh, anniversary, and wow. uh, I got fired right on my anniversary. It was November of last year, and now right now it's I like guess. July so of 2013 so yeah it was about nine months ago and uh, it, it, uh, it was shocking I really did not expect to get fired at, at all I didn't, I didn't see it coming so
0: how did did you still go to dinner with your wife that night
2: I absolutely my wife I have to say I will uh, give a, a shout out to my wife Julie who is very supportive always has been and yeah she said hey don't worry about it we'll just uh, figure it out from there And we went and had a great dinner
0: that's awesome that's really good
2: yeah, it was great.
0: My wife was really supportive of me as well when I wanted to do the real estate thing, and she's definitely my better half. That's awesome, though, to hear. Okay, so, like, uh, you, you'd you been wanting... Because you'd seen your brother have some success. You'd been wanting to do real estate for a while, right? Before this.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I'll tell you the story, which is basically, you know, I, I... Right away, I went out to dinner that night, and the next day I went and put my resume together, and I started looking for a new job. I guess it's just habit. So I started going, setting up interviews and calling some people I knew in the industry and I called my brother Todd and I said you know Todd you know this is what happened and he said stop what you're doing and go into real estate. He said I've been telling you to do this for years it's a great industry, you're gonna make a ton of money, I'll help you every step of the way and, and just go for it. So it was it was a little scary though because I, I had just, I, I have a big mortgage payment, I didn't have a lot in savings And I said, you know, I'm a little hesitant. I I won't have health insurance, and I gave him about a thousand reasons why I shouldn't do it. I had, I have zero experience in real estate besides purchasing my own house. I've never done any deals or anything like that. And I understood that it it took a little while to get started. I said, you know, well, I'll I'll work and I'll do that on the side. So we went back and forth, but um, ultimately he convinced me to go for it, and I did. And it's, it's, yeah, it's been a great story since then.
0: Well, it has been, and you can follow Tom's story a little bit on the uh, No Limits Investing podcast because I think Todd's done like five interviews with you there. Yeah, it's been
2: about yeah, I think five or six, and he just kind of went through. What was great about that is he kind of took me through as we were going through it together. So there were it, it was a, a lot of roller coasters. Obviously, it's yeah, not, <laughs> you know, it's not all uphill. It was uh, there were some low points, and you know, and I. I'm glad. I know, Joe, you and I spoke before, but this is my first chance to talk with Alex, and I, I wanted to say thank you, Alex, because you know I, one of the, the pivotal points, I was really feeling down because I was making that typical rookie mistake of just education, 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 and, and learning about it and then spending the whole day learning, not really taking any action. And then feeling great about myself that I spent so much time learning <laughs> with no money. So I was listening to your podcast show, and, and I was sitting in Panera Bread. It was about eight o'clock in the morning, and Alex was talking about the importance of taking action. I think it's it's one of your earlier episodes. I think I want to say number sixteen could be, but I, I could be wrong. It was it was quite a while back now. I think it was the wow, one we interviewed. Knows the a, Episode. Well, it was the one
0: I think it with Chris Chico, wasn't it?
2: Um. It, yes, I think Chris Chico was also on that episode. Yeah, I believe it was. I'd have to go back and take a take a peek of which one it was, but it was one of the earlier ones. And I was sitting there, and I'm I'm just shaking my head, writing down notes, and I'm saying, "What the heck am I doing sitting in Panera Bread when I should be on the phone or marketing I got banned inside. So it was kind of that aha moment where you know, yeah, everything just changed in an instant. So it's it was awesome so i was uh, I was really excited about that because I literally shut the podcast off. I got up and I, I went to work and I've been doing that ever since. And yeah, it, it's been great. I mean I think you know one thing that I, I you know just to get into it, I can tell you that the the difference I think for for the rookies who just starting off because now I'm in my ninth month of doing this, and I, I I've already doubled my salary that I was making at at my old job. so I'm super excited about it and I think if I can you know if I had to say what is the, the the real difference is that the truth is is that mentors really can't teach you anything they, there's they're not professors at a university there you, you when you listen to Alex or yourself Joe or or Sean Terry or Todd Toback and for me uh, you know I'll just say Todd Toback has been a huge you know my right, he's my brother but he was my instructor on this and you know I couldn't have done it without him but the bottom line is that these guys cannot teach you anything. They are—you have to look at as a, at a mentor, really, as an instructor. And when they tell you to do something, you just have to do it. The education comes from the action. It doesn't come from the podcast or from the the course or from speaking with your mentor. So you've basically got it. If you want to go to college and learn about real estate, you can get a professor and you can learn take a business class and but really it has to be a, a an instructor philosophy so that that's really what's worked for me i think that well, Yeah, you uh,
0: the, you you referred to it as a karate instructor versus a college professor something like that didn't you one time
2: absolutely and i still feel exactly the same way i think you know it's almost in you know for instance if, um, if Todd tells me, Tom, send out this letter, and you know, he's my brother, so he talks to me a little, it's a little more blunt than I'm sure when he talks to his students, yeah. Yeah. you know, so <laughs> there's a little name calling there, but um, you know, if he says, Tom, send out this letter to this list on this day, this many names, I, I just do it, and I think it's almost disrespectful to, to sit there and pick it apart and ask questions. I mean, these people are all high-dollar earners, and they're taking the time to share this information with me at really very little cost. And they don't have to do that. They can, so to my, it's, you know, I don't like asking questions. And Joe, I think you probably noticed the same thing. You know, you've on a number of occasions given me advice, and I just go verbatim and do it. I don't really yeah. waste your time finding out why you're telling me to do it. I know that you have good reasons to do it. So. I think that that's the difference is is really, there is no, the education will only come from action. It doesn't come from the mentor. The mentor can only give you instructions. So if you're going to, it's more like building an Ikea desk and and just following step by step instead of trying to break down everything and, you know, I I rewrite postcards and, you know, try to tweak the letter and and come up with a better system before you've even made a dollar. So I think a lot of rookies fall into that trap and, and I was doing that initially. And uh, it's, it's a huge mistake. Didn't, you, didn't
0: it take you a couple months to get off your duff and finally st- start really taking some action, Tom?
2: It did. It did. It, t- it didn't really um, – you know, I always say I've been doing this since I lost my job in November. But the truth of the matter is I really didn't do anything until January. So I'm really only in about my seventh month. And um, it, it took a long time to, you know, really understand that it was only the action that was going to produce any dollars. It wasn't – you know learning this whole industry and and I think you know the, the way that you get around that is you really have to accept the motto of good is good enough oh, um, this is that, that Todd taught me a long time ago and it is so true it's better to go out you know I can tell you my first deal Joe I made so many mistakes I literally went to the closing I went to the closing I forgot to tell the buyer that he had to pay the closing costs so at the closing table. He's, he said, well, the, uh, the, clo- the title agent said, well, who's closing the title company? I said, oh, well, the buyer is. not he said, well, you never said that. And I said, well, I said, you know, whoops, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and then he actually um, initially too, my first deal, he, he, the this buyer actually paid me in cash, which I had no idea was not a good thing. So I made a, a plethora of mistakes on my first deal. But um, if I would have tried to have somebody else close it for me or if I would have tried to learn how to close it. Um, I would have never made it to the table. I would have never made the mistakes and then I would have never really learned. So I think the good is good enough attitude is, is really key. Go out there and make mistakes and learn from them and just accept that you're not going to understand everything that you're doing. I still now, in my ninth month, I still don't understand everything that I'm doing and, and, and why certain things work and why other things don't. But I really don't care. That's the difference now at this point.
0: Uh, hearing your stories from the other podcasts are so funny. Because you did make a lot of crazy uh, mistakes, but I mean, you you learned from them, and you you weren't you weren't letting that stop you from taking action.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. It's really it's funny when I I I I went to a Sean Terry I went to a Sean Terry event in Atlanta, and um, you know I had a chance to meet a lot of rookies. And at that point, I had been doing this for about five months, and I had already done a lot of deals, and I had spoken to some of them. And it's like amazing, you know. But you know, I and some of the rookies there, and I, I don't wanna you know, I'm not beating anybody up and I'm not comparing myself to anybody else, but you know, I think that they so often fall into this trap that if they if they have taken the time to do more education, you get that warm, fuzzy feeling that you've you've taken the right steps, so that's where you stop. So you said, Okay, well for today, I've I've taken these steps of education, so that's where it stops today. But really, you really shouldn't and this is going to not sound. This is going to sound the right. It's not coming out the right way. But you shouldn't really feel good about yourself when you put down the course and you finish the education. The way I treat education is a reward system. I kind of treat it like if I can take these action steps today, I'll reward myself with like two podcast episodes from Joe McCall or from Todd Toback, and I'll go through them and I'll sit there and listen to them. But the the good feeling should come from when you look back on your day and you say, okay, I what how many bandit signs did I put out, how many postcards that I send out or how many that I mail or handwrite because I didn't have enough marketing dollars so I handwrote wrote the letter so you know that, that I think is is really the key difference in in really succeeding or not succeeding in, in this business
0: that's fantastic I mean I know uh, Alex and I have talked about this before when we were getting started at least for me uh, I was always trying to get educated trying to learn the latest and greatest things thinking that I was making progress by buying all these courses and going to these boot camps. And, you know, I'm not bashing education and I don't believe in bashing gurus. I think that's lame and immature when people do that. Absolutely. Um, But my point is when it started working for me, it it started working when I said, you know what, I'm going to stop questioning. Well, first of all, what I did is I said, I'm just going to, I want to do wholesaling and I'm going to buy two more courses. (laughs) I'm going to buy two more courses And I'm going to do what they tell me to do, and I'm not going to question it. So I bought Chris Chico's course on uh, virtual wholesaling, and I bought uh, Steve Cook's course on wholesaling. Steve Cook from uh, at the time he was in Baltimore. And lo and behold, it worked. I couldn't believe it. I sent out Chico's postcard. I didn't change anything, even though I wanted to. I didn't change my outgoing message, you know, when it went to voicemail. I used their scripts. I made the number of offers that Steve Cook said to make every day. Even though I, everything in me was like cringing, like, oh, no, I was so afraid of not having all the answers, worrying about steps seven and eight before I started doing steps one and two. So I said, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm just going to do what these guys say to do. And sure enough, it worked. And I couldn't. I was shocked and excited that it was actually working. Like, I'd never believed these guys, really, that it worked. But when, when you take that step, and I love what you said, education comes from action. Uh, Right. And good is good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just get out there and do it. Absolutely. Alex, did you want to add something to that? Yeah,
1: Joe, I kind of was thinking, you know, a good way to put it would be education by itself and action by itself aren't enough. But when you put them together, that's like the perfect blend of uh, what you need to do, because, you know, you could take action and not know what the heck you're doing and, and. and uh, without education it can be very very expensive if you make a, you know a legal mistake or something like that but yeah. if you have the right education and then follow it up with action now you've got the right thing going on and and that's what you you know that's what you really have to uh you have to marry the two they don't one doesn't go without the other
0: well and and having a mentor just accelerates your progress i mean looking what looking to see what tommy has done with his brother todd um, and then the, with the podcast that you can, I <laughs> love rewarding yourself if you take action by listening to a couple podcasts. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah,
2: well, you know, it, and I think, Alex, too, it's also, to me, it's it's like the, it's, it's, I think, replacing the education with instruction. So I think that's the key is I think the action with the instruction is the key because you're right. You know, when, you know, when you guys say, okay, you guys, you know, when you tell us as rookies to do X, Y, and Z, I think so many people take the time to, understand it like they're going to be tested on it and that is the problem i think that when if you say do x y and z you know it's the mister miyagi wax on wax off you know he, when he said you know i'm here for instruction on how to learn karate why do you have me painting the fence or cleaning the car i think this the the instruction is the key with the action because i don't really have to understand i know if you guys tell me to do something i'm just going to go out and do it because I, you know I, I don't want to sit there and reinvent the wheel because I'm very guilty, especially early on, of getting sidetracked by just trying to deep dive this real estate market and understand it in all the different directions you can go between wholesaling and lease purchase optioning and short sales and REOs and foreclosures and everything else that there's available to an investor. So I think that that's that's absolutely key.
0: Why don't you, um, Tommy, why don't you talk a little bit about what are some of the things that Todd told you to do when you got started? I, I have a feeling you're going to tell me something about getting some cash buyers.
2: Yeah, you know, it's just, this is really the, it, this is really where the, the the rubber hits the road, and it's kind of like a gut check moment for a rookie. Um, I knew absolutely nothing about investing, and Todd basically one of his first things was he said, "Well, you got to get to the auction, and you've got to you've got to collect names of cash buyers." Well, you know, the, the long story short is that it was a nightmare. Um, these guys at the auction. <laughs> They absolutely do not want to talk to you that I can tell you for sure um, they're 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 rude and they're they're in a click and they will literally put their shoulders together so that you can't get in between them <laughs> so yeah we you know it was amazing because you know Todd had said go to the auction and get these names of the cash buyers and I'm saying Todd why would I do-? you know we're arguing I mean literally we're in a brother argument about this I'm saying why are you sending me the auction first of all I don't know anything. Second of all, I said, I don't even have a house. So why am I getting buyers before I even have a property? So I ended up going. I took his advice. The first time I went, I don't think I got a single name. I, I went there. They were super rude. Uh, they wouldn't talk to me. What I ended up doing was I went back the following week or maybe two weeks later. I don't remember now. But I went back and I had created a little card that just explained that I'm, I'm a wholesaler. I can get better prices than what you're paying at the auction. And really the key was I went 45 minutes earlier. And I, I, I was able to pull out a few names there. And as a matter of fact, I I just did a deal. It, it was an interesting deal. Um, it was David, one of my one of the the very first person I ever met at the auction. He's a cash buyer, and he's from Colombia. And he called me last week, and he said, Tom, I have I just won a home at the auction, and I have to go back to Colombia on an emergency. Do you have a cash buyer that I can assign the bid to? They have nine days that you can assign a bid to them. And I said, sure, let me let me see what I can do. And uh, sure enough, I found a buyer who wanted the property. And it was a great deal. He signed the bid. And Dave gave me a $2,000 check. And the buyer gave me a $2,000 check just for connecting the two because I really couldn't put the deal under contract. So I ended up doing a $4,000 deal just simply because I, I knew someone, I knew two different people, a buyer and a, an a auction buyer. And it was a great deal. And I made two phone calls and I got two checks. and I didn't do anything really. So it, it's awesome.
0: Well, and I want to talk more about that because you network with a lot of other wholesalers in your market, putting people together. And you make very good money doing that. But talk Absolutely. a little bit about the importance of building your cash buyers list first. Why, why was that so important for you?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, I really fought Todd on this tooth and nail because I really thought I should be, every podcast you listen to is really, you know, all the education is about finding the motivated sellers, really. So uh, I, I kept focusing, Todd kept bringing me back to the first stage of the business, which is the buyers, and I didn't understand it, but at this point I can tell you it's paid off huge dividends, um, just tremendous dividends. I, I am constantly, I, I'm actually, even though I'm new in this business, I have one of the largest cash buyer lists on the east coast of Florida. And the, I go to a lot of the REI events and the other wholesalers know that. So for instance, last month I got a phone call from, there's a, there a gentleman who is the head of one of the REIs and he called me and he said, well, I have this property down in Stewart, Florida and uh, my buyer just pulled out and I need a buyer right away. So again, I just called some of my buyers. I did a JV agreement, and we were able to put the property down. It was a property down in Stewart, Florida. We put it under contract for, he said, your number is 120, and then we assigned it for 129.5. So it was a, a $9,500 deal for not even having to find the, the house. So I think the, the answer is that the, the power in this business really comes from your cash buyer list. If you have legitimate cash buyers, there's You you have the customers, so there's a, there's a, there is a lot of power that comes from having the, the, the customers because you can have all the houses you want, but if you haven't really ever taken the time to market for the, the customers, it's like having a store full of inventory, but you, you're, your front doors are locked and no one can get in to see them. So I think that absolutely the cash buyer list, it, it was a huge differential in why I was able to, to do as well as I did as quickly as I did because of... I recognize now that that's most important.
0: Talk about some of the ways you found cash buyers besides going sure. to the uh, auctions.
2: Right, so you have the auction which is the number one one. Um actually the uh w- a funny story is the, the the second time I I was or one of the early times that I was able to find a lot of cash buyers was actually an accident. You know, I'm I'm so quick to take action and to not really, you know, I kind of it's, it's a kind of like a shoot first ask questions later thing. So what I did do, and Alex, you know, you're we just talking about this, about, you know, the how if you, you do need a little education because you could waste money. Well, I did a mailing with Michael Quarles at Yellow Letters, and I sent it out just kind of based on a little bit of information. And what I had done was I had sent it to all equity, 100% equity list of absentee owners, but I never put the last sale date in. So every single one that I sent out ended up just purchasing their home within the last 90 days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I sent out 1,500 and yeah, there weren't a lot of motivated sellers on that list I can tell you right now. But um, (laughs) funny enough is I did end up finding a ton of cash buyers on that list. So what I found early on was that one of the ways to find these cash buyers is to just go back nine months on the cash deals for absentee owners and in-state and out of state and we just now I do that on a consistent basis. So I grow the list that way. Uh, additionally, we grow the list by going to the RIA meetings. So I try to go to just about every RIA meeting from Indian River to Dade County, which is a huge territory. It basically goes from around the Orlando area down to Miami and then all the big cities in between there. And there are just tons of uh, there are tons of hard money lenders there other wholesalers, cash buyers, investors, all sorts of individuals there. I just bring a stack of business cards, and I try to get, get to know every single one of them. And, and that is, is worth its weight, absolutely.
0: So I, I found that fascinating is you're finding recent absentee owners, and you're sending them postcards or letters, yes, trying to build right. your cash buyers list that way. Because these are people who are actually really are spending their money on buying houses
2: right now. Definitely. So what I do is I send out. We go back nine months, and then I, I was, I, you know, it's interesting. I just had a conversation with um, Yellow Letters about this. As I said, I wanted to just pull out the duplicates, meaning that you know individuals or corporations that have purchased multiple homes in the territory in the past nine months. But I wasn't able to figure out a way to do that. So I don't know if you know a, a trick around that, but because um, some of them are just one-time cash buyers, they're not really considered investors. But uh, yeah, we do it now pretty much on a regular basis. I'll send out a, a mailer to everyone who has 99% to 100% equity who has purchased within the last nine months. And it's, it's great. And, and then we only do absentee owner, not owner occupied, obviously, because they're usually, if they pay cash and they're an investor, they do not live in the property.
0: Well, Tommy, talk to me afterwards um, and I'll show you a way to do that. It's okay, that would be
2: great. Relatively easy.
0: But when these cash buyers call you, what are some of the things you're asking them? What are, kind of information are you wanting? To get out of them
2: right so you know it's interesting initially I kind of just thought collect their name and email and phone number and then we can just go from there but what I really found and Todd had told me this early on and I really didn't take his advice but uh, now I have at this point which is you really have to have I have what I call I've created it's called a house order form and basically what I the conversation I have with the buyer is is this I'll say you know if you're the buyer Joe I'll say Joe Tell me this: if, if I were to, if you had a dream investment home right now that I could give I could provide to you, tell me I want to know specifically about that exact home that you have in your mind that you would pay for uh, today. Not a generalization of the general type of home, but the actual home. I want the the zip code that it's in. I want the square footage, the, the construction material. Down down in Florida, it makes a big difference if it's a CBS a concrete block home or a frame home. Yeah. So I want to know everything about the home down to the type of – the, the condition and the, the type of countertops that you're looking for. So uh, what I found is that the more granular information I get from those individuals, it, it helps me in two ways. Number one is I can market specifically for those properties, which is a tactic I kind of found from home I, I had a conversation a long time ago with someone at a meeting who said that they really specifically market to the buyer needs. Um, and then I can also, of course, when I get a property under contract, I really can I can drill down to exactly who this is the best fit for, so who closely matches this. And I also ask them, what is the price that you'd pay me for it? I said, okay, if I brought you this house today, what what price would you would you give me for it in cash? And um, considering that you'd be paying the closing costs, and you know, it's, you get some great information that way.
0: I like that a lot. Just find out what they want. What do they buy? Exactly. And sometimes you got to pull that out of them, don't you? Because I've been finding this true. They'll just say, well, I'll take anything under 50 grand that uh, three-plus bedrooms. And I try to get them to walk me through the type of house they want. And I'll say something along the lines of, all right, now, if you don't mind me asking you, let's just walk through the house. I'm, you know, pretend we're walking up to the house right now. What does it need to look like? Does it have a two-car garage or a one-car garage, or is a carport okay? Okay, right. all right. So does it have to be brick? Or does it have to be block frame? Okay, well, now coming inside, how much work do you have to do to the house? I mean, are you looking for – are you okay with full gut rehabs? Well, you just want carpet and paint. Okay, great. So, you know, the kitchen, you walk through the kitchen, what kind of shape does it have to be in? Is it okay if it hasn't been updated in 10 years or 20 years? you really got to nail down into those kinds of details of what they want because when you do find that property, right, you know exactly who to send it to. and Absolutely. And they're going to feel appreciated that you are – taking that kind of care and concern about finding out what they want. But it, one thing I've been noticing too, and as, as I've been doing more and more of this traditional wholesaling the last couple of months is um, it really is a customer service business in a lot of ways. And it's about relationships. It's about networking, right? And uh, you can't just rely on technology to do all of this stuff for you. You can't rely on a virtual assistant to close a deal for you because it's all in who you know and the network's. And relationships that you have,
2: 100%. I think that if you build a trust, there's a trust factor with the buyers. A lot of my buyers now are out of the state of Florida. If I can find a home that matches their description and they've already done business to me, with me, I'm at a point now where they'll actually buy. I had it recently that this just happened. A cash buyer bought a home from me sight unseen, just based on my word. She was in Canada. She lives in Toronto. She wired. I usually request that they send it to my title company, KPC Title. But um she wired it the, the deposit directly into my PayPal account, which was awesome the the, the um, $2500 deposit and she said I want it that's it just based on my conversation with her and the email with the description and the pictures you know she, she I mean it's great I so I think that the trust factor with your buyers and building a relationship and having kind of like a consultant you know a lot of my buyers are just people who have a lot of money who want to be in the real estate market and they'll say things like I'll say well you know', we'll, They'll tell me what they're looking for and I'll say they'll say, Well, you you tell me, you know, what's a good deal. Here's what I'm looking for, but you know the numbers better than I do. So I think that the what's interesting I found in this business is that sometimes the cash buyers are very are more similar to the motivated sellers than, than not. They need just as much hand holding and they need just as much TLC to kind of go through the process. Now that's not the case with all of my buyers. Some of my buyers are a lot very aggressive and they, don't, they know exactly what they want, they've been doing it for a long time, but, but others are, are really not like that. So I think the relationship is key. Very good. You mentioned
0: a title company. How do you normally wholesale your deals? Are you, are you just doing assignments? Are you doing double closing? And have you found it, because they hear this a lot from people, they have a hard time finding title companies that will do wholesaling deals for them. So talk about how do you find the, whole, the, the title company and, and how are you closing these deals?
2: Sure. So um, I, I did struggle very much with the title companies. What I found about title companies is that if you ask them, do they do assignments or double closings, um, every single one will say yes. I, I have yet to find one that says, oh no, we don't do that. But when you get actually to the table, I've been in situations where early on my first few title companies actually almost killed the deals on me. As a matter of fact, I, I have the title company I use now, It's their name is... KPC title there in St. Lucie, West Florida. They actually rescued a deal from me. I had a client who would not close. It was a it was a tremendous property. It was one of my first deals. It was about my it was my fourth property actually that I was wholesaling, and it was Pam was the seller's name, and she would not close or sign the document without getting a check that day, but there was a problem with the title company. They didn't really know understand an assignment and there was a problem with cutting the check that day and we were going back and forth and back and forth and there was actually another buyer in the wings talking to my seller and she kept referring to this individual i don't know who it was but i don't think she was just negotiating i I think that she legitimately did have somebody waiting to purchase if our deal couldn't go through so the long story short is that i ended up going through i changed title companies kind of midstream and right at the tail end my other title company came in KPC which was the fourth one I had worked with and now I work with them exclusively so most of the to answer your question it's most of them are assignments I, I found I know Todd was mentioned that he does a lot of double closings I think if the price point is there I guess you guys do do that um, but I just did one for instance we did one last Wednesday um, the assignment fee was 16,200 and we did an assignment no one said a word about it. I'm very upfront with my seller and I'm very upfront with my my buyer ahead of time and i think that that helps not having to do the double clo- the double closing but my average deals are smaller i think than some of the ones out in bigger cities so that might have something to do with it but yeah mostly assignments and i use just one title company now and it was a struggle to find that title company that can actually do it
0: what are some tips or advice that you'd give to people to find a title company that they could work with
2: the one tip i could say that um, that helped me was the first three companies I tried actually the first was an attorney and then the next two were title companies and the the tip that really saved me is what I did was that at, by the time I had my fourth deal is I had gone to a lot of RIAs and I knew a lot of investors so what I did was I literally walked outside of the title company and I said and I just started calling people I called um, this one gentleman here in my my territory he's an investor's name is Scott and I asked him for a record recommendation. And he said, Tom, I've been working with Christine over at KPC. She's the one. She'll do it. And that was exactly how I went. So what I would say is go to your RIA meeting. And you can try asking the title companies, but it's hard to navigate, especially if you're a rookie, because you don't even really know what you don't know. So I would say go to your RIA meeting and, and speak to other investors and get a recommendation from them. Yeah.
0: Uh, another important tip I would bring, and maybe Alex, you can add something to this, would be you got to stay on top of the closing process, don't you? I mean, you've got to be involved every step of the way. You've got to stay on top of it and don't just trust them to take care of it all for you. you no, really, they don't.
1: They don't really care. No, <laughs> yeah.
0: you got to follow up without being obnoxious, you know. But come to their office, bring some donuts or bagels, give them some one of those nice fruit bouquets, you know, and uh, come to, and, and say, "How's it going?" I just wanted Double to follow
1: arrangements,
0: up. right? And <laughs> and 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 you really got to pamper and baby that whole process because. They'll forget what you said to them two or three weeks ago. You've really got to stay on top of that. What what would you say to that, Alex?
1: Yeah, I mean you really do because um, you could say, "Hey, I, I, you know, this is an assignment of contract, and I need you be able to refer to you know my buyer and and myself, you know, as as pretty much partners." I I can't you know when you when you call the seller up to schedule the closing, you can't say you're going to close with this guy. Because it could confuse them, and then raise questions and issues and problems. And so you need to basically refer to us as kind of um, you, know, you know the partners on this and and things like that. Because you know just small little things like that could cause could cause issues. A really good way to uh, avoid any confusion is to get the HUD and then go over it with the seller that you know the day before the closing or something like that yourself. So say you know I'm going to go over all these figures with you. And all you have to do is sign here and you see that you're gonna get this at closing. This is the important part. You're going to get this amount. And as long as you get this amount, the amount we agreed upon, everything's fine. So all you have to do is go in and sign closing.
0: That's really good. I've never thought of that or done that before. Reviewing the HUD statement with the seller the day before closing. Tom, talk about talk about how you're finding sellers. What are you seeing as some of the best ways of marketing that you're doing to get to get leads?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is you know, this this is the basics, right? So, so I can tell you that there's there's a lot of different ways, but one thing that Todd really helped me with was uh, number one, you know, one thing he told me because I was getting a little, I kind of have you know what I call shiny object syndrome. So I'll I'll hear about a new list, there's something and I'll try it, and you know, I'm always guilty of doing that. But what Todd really told me is like, look, don't do anything until you've totally saturated your market with yellow letters and I said well what do you mean by that and he said well is when you've mailed every single absentee owner in state and out of state that has 60 to 100 percent equity a yellow letter in your territory then you could try new lists so that's literally what I did so that's my core marketing method is owner occupied and absentee owner with with high equity um, and then I do now, at this point, I do. We're on week 28 of the year. I, I break it out per week. So we're on the 20th week of the year for me. And I, I, I've been almost every week consistently mailing that, that list. Now, I just tried a new list this week that you and I were just talking about, Joe. But I, that's my, really my core. The other thing that I do, because I think that the marketing works great. So that I always stick with. And it brings in leads consistently. How much can yeah.
0: you talk about? I'm sorry to interrupt. Can you talk about how much you're sending every week? Would that be okay
2: to ask yeah of course no I, yeah I don't mind giving out any of that information so right now I um, actually I can pull my let me I, I can actually pull my file out and I'll tell you exactly where I'm at because I you know it, what I do is now what's happening every deal that I'm doing the profit margin is going up a little bit and the consistency is there so I have the funds down to market but I can say for instance I've done on starting with so now we're on the 29th or next week is the 29th week so I'm starting on the 20th we did um, owner-occupied absentee owners. I used, that was uh, 1,730 names. On the, the 21st, we did, um, I used the Sean Terry letter and I sent out 450 names to Palm Beach and St. Lucie County, 80 to 100% equity, only single family absentee owners that lived in state. Then on the 22nd, so it, goes, it just keeps going, I've got a 1,000, it basically goes between 500 to 1,000 per week. Um, that I'm sending out. And then you've got now, for instance, this week, I just did 2,000. Now that is not all yellow letters. Some of that now is postcards because they're a little less expensive, but it's basically 500 to 1,000 per week would be my average.
0: That's phenomenal. And you've, the cool thing about what you're doing is you're really tracking your results, don't you? So you know, how important is that to know where your deals are coming from and how much marketing you need to do to get a deal?
2: Oh my goodness, Joe. I'm going to tell you, every single person I talk to is like, yeah, it's really important to do that and nobody really does it that I talk to. I ask people constantly in my territory, you know, well, did you test this and did you measure this? And they'll say, no, you know, I really didn't. So what I try to do is I always try, I use RingCentral as the phone number um, to provide me with my different phone numbers. And what I do is I have a whole set of about 15 phone numbers and I'm just constantly cycling through those phone numbers. And if I send out a letter, I will always send out two versions to kind of tweak the letter a little bit. Now I haven't always done it but I do do it very frequently. I I don't want to sit here and say I do it with every single mailing but I I do it more than 50% of the time where we'll send out either a postcard versus a yellow letter or send out a yellow letter and tweak the letter a little bit. We'll write down the phone number in an Excel spreadsheet. We'll write down how many names went out and then how many – what I used to track was how many phone calls came back. What I track now is how many deals that I actually get from it the number of deals and the amount. I don't really care at this point how many phone calls the letter produces. I really care about how many, leads it, how many closed deals it produces.
0: Excellent. And you mentioned something to me the other day too, Tom, that I think is really important, how you started focusing on the deals that are going to make you at least $10,000 each. And lo and behold, surprise, surprise, guess what happened when you started doing that? <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> you know, it's funny, my first few deals were so small and... I, I met somebody in a Miami in the, in the Miami market. His name is Rich Urban, and he's a great guy and um, he's doing really big deals. And I said, "Hey, Rich, you know, I'd love to come down and meet with you." And he was a total open book. He told me everything I needed to know, and it was early on. And one of the biggest tips I walked away with from that meeting, which was on the, by the way, it was on South Beach. I mean, it was amazing. It was a great location to have a, a lunch meeting. But um, one of the uh, great tips I walked away with is he said, don't focus on any deals where you can't make at least $10,000 from the beginning of the deal because this way if you have to negotiate down, you can. But I was really early on focusing on deals where even just $1,000 or $2,000 I thought that was wonderful. But when you minus out the marketing costs, it's not that great. So what I do now is I start every deal with a $10,000 mentality and if it doesn't, I will not lock up a deal under a purchase agreement. And my bird dogs know this, and I, I want to tell you more about those guys too. But I will, we will not lock up a deal if it, if the margin, if we don't know that the exit strategy is going to produce 10k. If it's less than that, we will wait to lock it up, and we'll wait till we get to that number. So we, Todd and I kind of call those deals zombie deals, where they're not really dead, but they're they're still kind of alive, and they're they just haven't gotten to the right point yet. But yeah, that those that, that's definitely the case of, of my strategy to kind of up the the profit margin on each deal.
0: Well, you, you just made like what five hundred dollars on a deal recently, and it took you four months. Can you
2: tell oh, me? it was it was yeah, it took me four months, and I did the deal, and I, you know I actually it was, it was a crazy deal because the deal looked great on paper. Uh, we had a beautiful condo right on the water. It was. A really great shape and we thought we were actually, I thought, you know, I thought we, this was like a 30K assignment. I thought I was really excited. So, um, you know, it was great. But, it, you know, it's funny, the deals with the smaller, the, the the walk away from that is that the deals with the smallest profit margin we're finding are usually taking the most time and energy. Interesting. And, yeah, and I did end up walking with $500 on that and it wasn't even an assignment, well, it wasn't an assignment fee, but we ended up having to sell retail through an agent and it was complicated and time-consuming and at the end there, I just did it just to do a favor for the seller because we had tied up the property for so long. We just wanted to be able to get him his funds.
0: You talked about bird dogs a little bit. Will you talk more about that? How are you using bird dogs to bring you deals, and why do you like that so much? I love
2: bird dogs. I love bird dogs. Okay, so <laughs> let me just say this, Joe. The first thing is every single rookie, I don't care if you're out there, like if it's your first day on the job of wholesaling, Go out and get a ton of bird dogs because you do not need. When when I started this, Todd had me looking for bird dogs right away, and I'm like, Todd, what are you doing? I don't even know anything about anything. I'm like, how am I going to bring people on for commission only? And you know, like, I don't understand what I'm even doing. Well, I'm so glad I, t- I just listened and I took action on this. Um, you could just put a an ad on Craigslist. You will have a line wrapped around the block at Panera Bread, which is where I go in the morning, and uh, for interviews for bird dogs and. You know, I'm very blunt in my ad. I'll actually send you one of the ads that I use. But I say, look, I'm looking. I'm a wholesaler in, in St. Lucie County. I'm looking for someone to you know help me find and identify these deals. It's a commission only position. We pay our bird dogs um, twenty thir- percent uh, of the deal with a minimum of five hundred and a maximum of two thousand. And I show them how to find deals. And it's been awesome. They are consistently producing leads for me at this point. They love it because they're making money when you meet with bird dogs you meet a whole bunch of great people Some people you look at them and you meet with them and you're like this person's gonna be a superstar and they don't do anything and then other people you're like this guy's got no chance and then all of a sudden he's like your biggest producer so you know it's just it's a great crazy little thing that really works and some of them end up staying for a long time I've had one bird dog with me now for a long time um, Jason he's doing an awesome job and then I have other bird dogs who, will do it for a little while, they'll make a little bit of money, and then they won't, they will either go off on their own or they are um, they won't. But the bottom line, Joe, is if you are a rookie in this business, I don't care if it's your first week, you can get bird dogs. Um, there's tons of people who want to help your business grow. Um, they've got a great attitude, and you just have to give them the basics, and they just go run out of the gate, and they'll do it. And they're, they're great people, so I, I definitely, you know, you know, as a side note, a lot of them actually know somebody currently who's about to sell a home and that can be another source of revenue for you. So some of them will say, well, my aunt is about to sell a home or my, my – I had one recently who just said, well, my aunt is coming from, from out of the country and she wants to buy a property, an investment property. So we actually found a cash buyer who we did end up doing a deal with through a bird dog system. So just another way to network and, and it's awesome. I, I love the bird dog system.
0: What are some of the things? What are some of the things you train them to do for you?
2: Sure. So it, you know, it depends on where their um, finances are. Some of them have a little bit of money to spend. So if they do, I can encourage them to do like postcard mailings, and some of them do that. Do do that. But really, most of them have tight budgets. So what they do is, I will pay for the bandit signs if they agree to to put them out. So that kind of kills two birds with one stone. So I don't have to do the bandit signs. And they're very motivated to do them, so I'm very specific about where they go. And um, they use their own – the number that I provide, I will give them a ring central number, but they'll use that on the the bandit sign.
0: Hey, by the way, let let me interrupt you about this because I just found something the other day that I'll be sharing more information soon on. But I found these guys who built an app for the iPhone or the Android that uh, it's a free app, and you can have your team of bandit sign placers with their phone take a picture. Because one of the problems is – rewind a little bit. One of the problems is you worry about paying somebody to do bandit signs, and you don't know if they really put them out there or not, right? Right. So what this the, what this app does that these guys created is you have you have to have your, bird, your, your bandit sign guy use a phone that can take pictures and can – track the location of where the picture was taken that's so awesome it's an it, iphone does this right so you they actually are taking pictures of the sign wherever it's placed and it sends that information to the website and you could get online and see on a google map these little pins on a google map where all the signs were placed based on the pictures and so you can literally real time see where they're placing these signs and, and they'll take no, a picture that's of awesome. them um yeah it's amazing and and they sell this thing for $25 a month I think or you can buy it for the full year at like $250 for the full year. I was just talking to this guy yesterday at the coffee shop and um he's getting ready to kind of release it. He's he's shown it to me the beta version that they have and it's it's amazing. It's literally it literally take you see the pictures of the sign and you see on the map where it was taken. And, uh, but they're getting ready to launch it, um, in the next one or two weeks. And so I'll be sending out some information about that soon to everybody. Is that cool or what? That's awesome. All right. Anyway, I like that though. You're paying for the bandit signs if they do it.
2: Yeah. And they're, they're, they're super motivated to put them out because they know that they, you know, it has their dedicated number on it. So, you know, they like the fact that we're paying for it. And I do that, I do do that, you know, once they're seasoned. But really what they're doing is they're just cold calling Craigslist. Backpage, eBay Homes, Yahoo Homes, a lot of them on for sale by owner sites. And then a lot of them just drive for dollars looking for for sale by owner, for rent by owner, and vacant homes and things like that. So so I just go through a little course with them where I just take them through. I'm, tr- I'm trying to automate that process now, but it's been challenging to do that.
0: And so the, do you give them a script, uh, questions to ask, things like that?
2: exactly yeah I give them a script and what I basically do is I break the business down into different phases in the beginning of the of, of their journey with us so what I do is I say look your your job right now is basically just to locate a motivated seller so what is a motivated seller um, what do they look like what do they sound like you know how do you, how do you know you have one on the phone and then you just pass that information and we'll take it from there those guys actually start out at 13 percent once they move to uh, phase two which is they're able to do valuations and make offers and have that done verbally, then they then they we up their commission a little bit, and then what we do phase three, they're actually like for instance, Jason now is able to lock up deals, and then at that point they're getting twenty percent of the deal. So we kind of take them through a a a, a three stage process this way we don't have to early on spend too much time with people who may not you know make it through the first phase. so it's it's kind of an introductory course in the beginning.
0: That's fantastic. Do you have any system that where they can submit the leads to you? Um, And it keeps track of all that stuff or how are you keeping track of all the leads that they do give you?
2: Yeah, you know, I love high rise I know, you know, we were talking about that offline a moment ago, but I, I absolutely love high rise It's, it's the, I mean, it is to me the greatest tool. I, I really couldn't do a lot of the things I do without that tool. Um, early on, I was using different tools and, and the biggest problems with the tools that I found is that number one, they're either too complicated, especially for, you know, bird dogs to use. They don't want to learn, you know, a, a very big complicated system. I was using Salesforce. It was just way too much. Uh, overboard information. So, uh, high rise was easy. The other answer that it really solves for me was there were now no leads fall through the cracks because the system that I use automatically assigns task. It, it's it's hard to explain, but basically what happens any lead that comes into my system is automatically assigned a task, um, and I can pull up any leads that don't have a task assigned to them. So every lead is either what we call it's either hot, it's warm, it's cold, or it's dead. And every, every single lead is in that status. So it's either being worked because it's hot or, or warm or it's cold, which means we're going to maybe follow up in six months or send an email or text messages, or it's just totally dead. You know, It was, it was something like, take me off your list or I don't, don't ever contact me again. So HiRise just makes that super easy. The system I use to do that is called WooFoo and Zapier. It just is an online form. So my bird dogs submit they, they submit lines, um, leads to me online. And then that automatically goes into, into High Rise. The, the website I use is FloridaBirdDogs.com. It's just, a, it's just a, a website that I use that just allows them to submit those leads. There's a little place to submit leads there. And it's not really, the site isn't really done completely yet. It's, it's going to be a training site for my bird dogs. But it's great because I constantly know exactly where every single lead is at.
0: And they can log in as well, or can they to see this update on those leads, the status on those leads?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. You know, initially we were creating users so that they could log in and see it, but um, now what I do is if the lead moves from one status to another, for instance from warm to hot or warm to cold, I'll, I'll send them a little note because I can see who's assigned to that lead in the high rise account. I was giving access early on, but I wasn't really comfortable with that because what happens is if you have too many people in the system, um, you can set their user permissions, but... If, you not, if you're not careful about how you're entering all your information, like buyers and, and, and other accounts, and you don't assign them properly, it becomes too much of a chore to continually assign accounts to that user and not to any other user. So we just said, let's just not assign. There's no reason really for the bird dogs to have access to high rise, so we just keep it. Um, we just keep it isolated now.
0: Yeah, I wish I wish we had more time to talk about high rise. It's something that I'm looking at doing as well in my business. I've used a lot of different tools. And uh, there, there's really a lot of advantages to some of the more popular tools that you've heard of. But the, the biggest advantage to rise, which I like it so much, is that it's so simple, right? And uh, it doesn't complicate things. It's all online. And you just basically assign tags to people or to, right. to leads, right? And you can have 100 different tags to a lead if you want. And then you can assign tasks to your team uh, for each of those leads as they come in. But it really has made – I know it's made a big difference in Todd's business, and he's been trying to sell me on it for the last six months to a year, trying to get me to switch over to it. And I, I, I'm actually really leaning towards it. I like high rise a lot, and I like what you're doing with it. I think that uh, you, you could spend a whole episode on – a podcast episode on talking about why it's important to keep track of that kind of detail with your leads. But it really helps you stay organized, doesn't it?
2: That's the whole thing is it's ease of use – and i don't really want to become like a crm expert and rise allows me to just do my job and not have to figure out another tool it's just so easy to use to me it's it's just a no brainer to me it's like you know I, I don't know if i'm missing out on other features but it, to me it you know i'm i'm still kind of new so i don't know really what i don't know on the other crms that you know maybe provide different functionality but for me it's just the ease of use if i have for instance i give access to a lot of my agents so as we're passing listing leads, my agents have user accounts there. So depending on the zip code, I assign tasks for my agents to call different leads who want to list. If a bird dog submits a lead and it needs a little bit more work, I reassign the task to him to call up or for her to call up and just say, well, you know, you didn't find out this information. So it's just an easy way to organize all of your your, your data in one place.
0: Good. And, and follow-up, which is so important.
2: Absolutely. I'm finding now that, that most of my, my, a lot of my leads are actually coming from the database, which is just an amazing experience to now, you know, say, you know, I I can't believe, I mean, I'm literally finding leads in my database that were from six months ago. I mean, that is to me incredible.
0: That, that brings us back to the whole principle of momentum, doesn't it? I mean, having the momentum, it's not something that you can get with your first batch of postcards, the first batch of mail that you send out. That's why consistency is so important and there is a real principle of momentum with marketing. The more you do, the more leads you're going to get obviously, right? But it builds and compounds on itself because if you start marketing and it's the third postcard that that seller gets or, you know, you send them an email a month after you talk to them that the system automatically sends for you, right? And you say, "Hey, you know, how's it going? Have you sold your house yet or whatever?" That then that stuff really starts compounding and gets bigger and bigger and all of a sudden the momentum is is uh, gets a lot, it's it's unstoppable, once you have that marketing going.
1: That was that deal that I was talking about uh, in the beginning of the call. There, um, I talked to him first in February, and who would have known? You know, by following up, he would uh, get back into the system again, and uh, you know, now we've got a twenty thousand dollar deal. Oh, that's awesome. I'm work, I'm working another deal where I talked to this guy back in like January or February as well and it's it's a deal that could be either be a new construction deal or a or a fast assignment deal um it could be to the tune of $50,000 but if i do a new construction project it would be three times that much so i mean and that's from following up as well you know somebody that you thought fell off the bandwagon they weren't returning calls anymore and then you just hey you know we were talking 5 months ago just was wondering uh, how everything's going and then you know pretty soon they're they're back in the boat again
0: that's excellent
2: what territory are you in, Alex?
1: The uh, Virginia area, so oh. Tidewater, Hampton Roads.
2: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, you know, and, and also just as a, um, as a side note, one thing that Todd and uh, Luis from San Diego, who's another great mentor of mine, is, uh, you know, they both told me the same thing, which, you know, is along these lines of follow-up, is every single, every single contact in my database gets a written offer, and uh, you know initially you know Todd had told me to do this and I'm like this is such a waste of time and you know why the heck am I sending these people I'm a hundred fifty thousand dollars away from their number you know I was getting back a whole bunch of written offers with ripped up cards and telling me to go somewhere <laughs> but um, I will tell you that as part of that follow-up we do now send a written offer to every single person who calls in off of a letter and uh, unless they just totally do not have no interest but if we get into a conversation, and the number is too is too off. I don't care how off it is; they get a letter, um, and that has definitely proven to be a huge success. We've now gotten multiple deals from people who said, "Absolutely not! I will. I'm offended by your number. Don't call me back." We send them the written offer, and then when they have the contract in their hand, it's like, "Oh, well, you know, maybe I will do it." So that that's been awesome too.
0: That's a great idea. Really, really yeah. good idea.
2: Oh, I love it! You know, Todd and Louise both told me about that, and. I they actually told me about that the Sean Terry event in Atlantis. Louis, that was the first time I met Luis, and Luis had said, "You know, you got to do it. You got to do it." And I said, oh, "I don't know, man. That's a lot of paperwork." And uh, but I did it, and I mean, I had my first my first account with that was this property on Solaz. It was this guy Paul, and he had he it was an inherited property, and we were fifty thousand dollars away from the price. But when I say fifty thousand, he wanted his it was. 80,000 that he wanted. I wanted the house for 30,000. So ultimately, he ended up calling me back and he said, Well, if you could still do 30, we can do the deal. And I said, Well, I can't do 30 anymore. I could do 25. And he said, Okay, okay. I'm so frustrated. I just want to get rid of this property. So we actually did the deal for 25. And then ultimately, we actually ended up doing the deal for fourteen-five. So it was a great deal. And that, I would have never gotten that deal if I didn't send him a written offer. Um, and we've done more since then. But it, it's, it's awesome.
0: You know, there's got to be some way within rise, Tommy, that you can, like,
2: export that data
0: into a Word document, right, that um, if you have a seller lead open, isn't there some way that you could automatically export that stuff out into a Word document with merge fields and print that stuff with just a few clicks?
2: There, there probably is. There probably is, and I've been doing each one by hand, and it's it, it's tough. But I, sh- I I have to take a look at that. That's a good. That's a great point.
0: Because I was at Rise the other day, and there's at least like 50 other websites and applications that synchronize or uh, communicate with Rise. There's got to be some way that you can do that, or you you know what you could do is you could probably find somebody on ODesk to build you a little app to do that for you. Um, yeah, because that
2: we're sending out tons of them, and it's a it's a it's oh. a huge time drain.
0: You could get, you could create a form letter with your contract in the back of that, that puts in all the merge fields and just prints it for you. Then you can uh, just hand address it and mail it. But anyway, that's awesome. You've given me some great ideas, Tommy.
2: Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I love it. It's a, it's a great business, and I, I am so excited about it. It's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, I've done. I'm now. I just did my 18th deal. This, actually, this week I did I did two deals. I did my 18th deal this week, and uh, it's on my I'm on my ninth month, and it's just like it's awesome. I just had a conversation with someone. I just realized you know I've been spending so much time in my county, but Miami and Tampa and Orlando they're all within two hours of me, and those are huge territories. And Fort Lauderdale, so I've got a whole bunch of big plans to to go out out there and. You know, I mailed out the vacant list and I'm going to see how that co- comes back. So I've got a lot of awesome stuff I'm working on. I mean, I, I just love it. I mean, it's, you know, I was stuck in a cubicle and I was so depressed all the time. I, had, I didn't have a window in my office and, you know, I got fired and I was even more depressed. And, you know, I just went back for more and got my resume put together and tried to look for another job. And You know, I just I have to really thank my brother Todd because I, I'm glad that I got into this business. It's been a, a total game changer. You know, I get to meet great guys like you guys, and it's it's just it's just a whole new world. It's awesome. I love it, and it's uh, it's great stuff.
0: Well, your your story is inspiring, and, and everybody listening to this, you could tell, you could see why I wanted Tommy on this podcast interview because he's right where where he was, right where a lot of people are trying to make this work, struggling, and are just right on the edge, the right on the precipice, ready to to start taking some action. But they just need that little nudge, and I'm hoping that this interview with Tommy pushes them over that edge to go ahead and start make, taking action. Don't worry about the mistakes. If you want to listen to more of the mistakes that Tommy's made, go check out the No Limits Investing podcast interviews that he did with Todd because it's, it, 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 I don't want to say that we're, we're um, making fun of Tommy and the mistakes that you've made, but they are pretty funny. And, uh, yeah. But it's, it's, it's helpful and, 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 and to know that you know it's okay to make mistakes. And uh, you're not going to have it all figured out before you go out there and start doing things. And that's okay. Good is good enough. Good is good enough. And just so I'm clear, Tommy, (laughs) again, you've doubled your income at your job that you had at your job in just, what, seven, eight, eight or nine months now?
2: In my eighth month I actually doubled my income that I was making at my job. So it's it's incredible and yeah, I I love it. And and you know, I don't wanna I also, you know, I don't wanna come across as saying that everything's been awesome since I've been doing it. There's a ton of low points in this business. I had a month um, you know, with no income. I've I've had some, you know, really, really tough months. I've had a lot of questioning of whether or not I was in the right territory and if I could really do this job in my territory and and I, I had a lot of down days and down weeks and you know, you have to push through in the beginning. You just have to kind of just push through all of that and just know it works. You know, so it hasn't been all just a, a, a great ride. It's been tough. But now at this point, I can say the past few months have been awesome, just stellar months. And it's, um, I can just see it getting better. And yeah, it, it, it's great. I, I really, I love it. I'm excited about it. I mean, I look forward. You know, it's so funny, Joe, on Sunday nights, I'm like, tomorrow's Monday. Great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mondays. You know, I used to hate Mondays.
0: That's funny. I'm the same way. Oh, yeah. I'm the same way. Well, hey, thanks, Tommy, so much. Thank you, Alex. This has been a really, really good interview, and um, we appreciate you you sharing your knowledge and inspiration with us, Tommy.
2: Good stuff. Thanks, Joe. Thanks,
0: Alex. All right, guys. We will uh, see you later. Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Leave us a review on iTunes. We appreciate it when you do that. Uh, Get our Fast Cash Survival Kit at realestateinvestingmastery.com. Or again, if you didn't hear us at the beginning, you can text the word FAST and your email to 38470 and we'll get you that fast FastCast Survival Kit. And you'll learn a lot of the stuff that Tommy's doing right now from that kit and it's all free. So we'll talk to you guys later. Take care. See ya.